Welcome to the Richardson Seventh-day Adventist podcast. I'm so excited for you to join us. Each week we'll bring you a sermon from one of our ongoing series. So enjoy and let's get to it. All you lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good, for His mercy is everlasting, and His faithfulness endures to what? All generations. How's that for a pick-me-up? How's that for some good words? That just made me feel good to read that. Great words of hope and, and just encouragement. Now, these five verses are just packed and they're just pregnant with hope and with meaning for us today. In these five verses, there are two commands that God gives and there are five reasons for those two commands. And we're going to see how encouraging it all is. Verses 1 and 2, look at them again. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. So when you look at those two verses and think about them, what's the command here? The psalmist says, shout joyfully, serve with gladness, come with singing. Those things are telling us to, what, what do you think the first command here is? Be, be happy, right? Be happy. That's what it's telling us. God wants us to be happy. And, it beca- and the reason is because it's such a positive emotion and it's so good for our overall well-being, for, for our, our physical well-being, our mental, our emotional, our spiritual well-being. Be happy. This is a really big deal for us if we're going to have the abundant life that God wants for us. And that's why the devil works so hard to fill our minds with all this dark, negative stuff, this fear and, and all this stuff. He's trying to pack it in to keep out the goodness and the happiness happiness that God wants to put in there. But I want us to look at this just a little bit because there's some very important words in these verses, what God is commanding us. And it is in the Hebrew, it is imperative. It's what he's commanding us to do. So first of all, a joyful shout joyfully. What is this talking about? It literally means to cheer, as in when you're at a ball game and your team scores and you jump out of your seat and you raise your hands and you shout. That's what it's talking about, cheer. It literally means in Hebrew to split the ears. When was the last time you did that in church? Some churches have it right, folks. They really do. Maybe we can work on that a little bit. So it's okay to be loud in God's presence. It's okay. Not only that, it says the word gladness. This word gladness has the idea of jubilation with it here. And and when, when you're jubilant, you're really, really happy, aren't you? I mean, you're bouncing around, you're jumping up and down, you're throwing your arms around people, you're hugging them, you're just so, so happy. And then singing. 
We have this word singing and it makes us feel good. But you know what singing actually is? Literally to shout. To shout in rejoicing exaltation. Are you getting the picture yet? You see, a little bit or maybe even a lot of noise is great. God wants us to do this in His presence. He's not talking about somewhere out there. If you look at Psalms, it says, come before His presence with shouting joyfully in, in uh, exaltation. That's what He's talking about here. God wants us to do this in His presence. Now, why does He want us to be this, this excited, this happy? What are the reasons that God gives us to be happy in this way? In the way we just read, cheering and with gladness and, and, and singing. Why does He tell us to be happy in that way? Well, the first reason is actually having to do with God Himself. Reason number one to be happy is because of who God is. It has to do with God Himself. And it talks about here in Psalms that identifies two specific attributes about God which are the reasons why we can be happy. So what, the first of those attributes about God is that He is our Creator. We can be happy because we know God made us. He planned us. He fashioned us. He lovingly brought us into existence. Why can you be happy? Because you are here by specific design. You are here by specific design. Yes, I'm talking to you right now. Particularly if you don't believe that you're special. Particularly if you got some lies about who you are and your worth and all that stuff running around in your head. Who knows where it came from? It comes from all kinds of places. I don't care where it came from. This is God's Word. I made you. You are here by specific design. Here by specific design of a loving God. Second of all, God is also our caregiver. We can be happy because God is our caregiver. That's what the psalmist means when he says, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. In using those words, everybody in the Israelite culture knew what he was talking about because sheep need a lot of care and attention. They need their food provided to them. They need to be led where the food is. They can't even find it properly themselves. And they eat the wrong stuff if it's there. And so the shepherd has to go and he has to pull the weeds that are poisonous first because the sheep are dumb enough to eat it. And so they need all kinds of care and all kinds of protection. And so in applying this to us, it means that we are the focus of God's oops, sorry, provision and protection. We are the focus of God's provision and protection. Let me get that back. Oh, my goodness. Okay, now I'm all messed up. But anyway, we'll keep going. We're the focus of His provision. and He's going to make sure that our daily needs are supplied. He's going to make sure that we are safe and secure. God is not about to leave us in this old world going the way it is without Him being by our side and being that shepherd as we go through this messed up life, right? God is our Creator. He's our caregiver. Now, oddly enough, 
The second reason that we're commanded to be happy, and, and this might catch you by surprise, and it not even, might not even make much sense to you, but um, the second reason that we're commanded to be happy is actually because of who we are. You're like, wait a minute. Because of who I am, who we are. Now, follow me. Now, this reason is actually rooted in and grows out of our first reason because of who God is. You see, we're happy about who we are because that comes from who God is. So who are we? Well, if you're a little confused about your identity, and it leads to all kinds of emotional issues, doesn't it? I mean, identity is important. I remember as a young person, teenager, going trying to figure out who am I, right? These are big, big questions. And so if you're going through that right now, it's natural, it's okay. But I have some good news for you. If you will let Him do it, and if you will take Him at His word, God is about to solve your identity questions and issues for you right here. Who are we? First, we are God's creation. We are God's creation. In other words, you are not an accident. You're not an accident. You are here, as I said earlier, by specific design and for a specific purpose. The Bible says God skillfully wrought you and formed your inward parts and knew you before you were in your mother's womb. The Bible says that God made you fearfully and wonderfully and that you are marvelous. And the Bible says that He planned your days before you knew them and He gave you a purpose. That's who you are. Hallelujah! You're made by an awesome, intelligent, amazing God who formed you and knew you and loves every bit about you. So, who are we? First of all, we're God's creation. Second of all, we're God's people. We're not nobody's people. We're not anybody's people. We're not somebody's people. We're God's people. We're not North America's or South America's people. We're not Africa's or Europe's people. We're not Asia or Australia's people. We are what? God's people. What does it mean? It means that you belong to someone. You belong to the God of the universe who made you and who is crazy about you and thinks you are just the best thing ever. You see, there's a place for you. You belong. Who are we? First, we're God's creation. Second, we're God's people. Third, we are God's treasure. Sheep were so valuable to ancient Israel. That's how you measured your wealth, by counting your sheep. How big was your flock? Or how many flocks did you have? How many shepherds did you need to take care of them? That's why so much care and so much attention and so much energy and even sacrifice were put into the sheep. They were treasured. You see, what God is trying to tell you and me here today is that you are valuable. You are not a piece of dirt. You're not a piece of scum or a piece of garbage or whatever other lies the devil is trying to fill your mind or my mind with. Because, and he's doing that because he really hates who you really are. 
And he wants you to forget who you really are, but don't believe him. Believe this. This is God's word. This is reality. That other stuff is fake. It's not real. You are valuable. You are precious. You are of immeasurable worth. You are God's treasure. You see, happiness does not depend on the things we have or the things we have accomplished or the friends we have or what those friends think about us or what they say about us or what they do for us. Happiness does not depend on how wonderful I look or feel about myself. Happiness depends on who God is and on who we are because of who God is. Those are all the reasons that we have to make us happy. And guess what? The good thing about these reasons that we just found in the Bible is that they never change. They never change. No matter what's happening around us, no matter what we might feel like, all the stuff that we just saw here from God's Word and on your screen and in your notes, all that stuff remains true at all times. Why? Because it's based on God and God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm going to say hallelujah. He never changes, and so it doesn't change. I mean, many of you may be familiar. Have you ever heard of a guy by the name of Nick Vujicic? I don't know if you've heard of him. Born in 1982 in Melbourne, Australia. Born without arms and legs. As a young person growing up, Nick struggled with depression, discouragement, overwhelmed with feelings of, why me? I'm different. I'm weird. All the other kids, arms and legs, run and play, do stuff. Look at me. And he, he was in that dark place. And you know, there's many of us as young people that we go through this kind of stuff. Maybe not on this level. But when a dad disappears, that can be an identity crisis for a young person, right? For a young man, particularly. When a young woman is sexually abused, and it happens all too often. And so, there's this stuff around us. But Nick, and Nick was going through that. He didn't want to keep on living. But you know what changed it for him? He met Jesus Christ. And he found out who he was in God's eyes and who God made him. And he embraced that and it changed his life and it brought hope into his life. And now he has a major, major ministry that impacts thousands of people around the world. It's not called life without limits. It's called life without limbs. And he introduces people to Jesus. I mean, look at the smile on this guy's face. No arms, no legs. In fact, I don't know if you realize this, but he's just moved his ministry, his headquarters, right here to Plano. Right here in Plano, just up the road. He's got a family, a wife, four children. If he can be happy, you got it, Brother Paul. Why can't I, right? I mean, seriously, we can be happy because we are not the source. 
God said, it is God, the Bible says it's God who made us and not we ourselves, right? You see, God is the source. We did not evolve by accident. We were intentionally planned and made by a loving and an intelligent God for an exalted and a noble purpose. And our existence has meaning because of him. And even when a sin-broken world messes you up and you are born without arms and legs, God can touch that with His grace and use it and give it meaning and purpose and make you happy. So i got to tell you, so I'm going to put my Bible down for a minute here because you know what? We need to practice this a little bit. I want you to put your hands together. I want you to cheer. The Bible says to cheer God. I want us to say hallelujah. If you want, you can jump. If you want, you can hug somebody. Hallelujah. God is good. Woo! I might start to preach in a minute. I want to keep going here. Verses 4 and 5, Psalm 100. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. I love that cheering. Oh, that sounded so good. I almost want to do an encore. But I know there's some folk that that might be too much in one Sabbath, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll get there easy. Okay, here we go. Verses 4 and 5. Focus, Byron. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his faithfulness endures to all generations. Enter into God's courts with thanksgiving and praise and be thankful and bless what do you think the command here is? Command number two. What do you think it is? Be what? That's right. You got it. Be thankful. See, you don't even need the pastor to, to teach us about the Bible, right? You can figure it out for yourself. And that's the way God wants it to be. Be thankful. God is calling us to be thankful because gratitude is such a powerful force for good in our lives. It literally changes our body chemistry and our emotional state and outlook and our health. Notice that the psalmist says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Thanksgiving and praise. Now in the Bible, you often see thanksgiving and praise together, and so they're related, but we need to understand that they are different things. Different Hebrew words, different things. And I want to help you understand what that difference is here today. Thanksgiving is thanking God for what He has done. It is focused on God's actions toward us and His gifts to us. That's thanksgiving. Thanking God for what He's done. Praise, on the other hand, is praising God for who He is. It's admiring Him. Praise is focused on God's being, and it's focused on the wonderful attributes of His personhood. Praise is focused on the giver, not the gifts. And by the way, what's better to be focused on? Huh? If you lose the gift, that's one thing. But if you lose the giver, you've lost everything because He's the source. 
And, and so praise is focused on the giver instead of the gifts. And then it says to bless his name, and bless simply means to bestow uh, goodness and favor upon someone or something. And so that's what we can do for God. The Bible actually tells us more to bless God than it talks about God blessing us when you study that out. It's very interesting. Now why? What are the reasons that God commands us to be thankful and praise Him and bless Him? Is it because God has this God-sized ego that He needs us to feed and just stroke and just make Him feel good about Himself? Is that why? Absolutely not. Of course not. God commands us to be thankful for our benefit, not His benefit. He commands us to be thankful because we need it. He doesn't need it. He commands us to praise Him and, and bless Him with thanksgiving for our own good, not for His good. It's not about that. And, and so the Bible, in verse 5, it gives us three reasons that we can be thankful to God. And, and all three of these, they're all related once again to who God is. What's the first reason to be thankful in verse 5? You can see it there. For the Lord is what? He's good. That's right. We can be thankful because God is good. Man, am I ever glad God is good. What if He was bad? I mean, seriously, aren't you thankful He's not bad? Aren't you thankful He's not like all those Greek and Roman gods, fickle and capricious and selfish and jealous and impetuous and impatient and hedonistic and just a bunch of weird, crazy, nasty stuff? I'm so glad God is not like one of those gods. I'm so thankful He's a good God. I'm so thankful that He is a good and a beautiful God. I'm thankful that He's kind and that He's patient and that He's tender and yet strong. I'm thankful He's unselfish and steady and thoughtful and careful and self-sacrificing. I'm thankful that He's pure and noble and righteous and fair and impartial. He's a good and a beautiful God. That's why we need to be clear that the evil we experience in our lives is not from God. Somehow, too many people are always stressed out and wondering if they're behaving good enough to be okay with God, because if they're not, then they think He's going to do bad stuff to them. And that when bad stuff happens in their lives, it's because they weren't good enough for God, and so now He's given them some bad stuff. Let me tell you something, dear friends. Look, there is only one source for evil, and that is Satan. Satan is the source of you. God is good. That's all he is. And remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Can a good tree produce bad fruit? It can't. It's impossible. And therefore, since God is good, the only thing God does is good stuff. Stop thinking that God is out to get you if you don't behave well enough. I'll tell you what God is out to do. God is out to love you. God is out to bless you. God is out to fill your life with meaning and purpose. God is out to give you peace. He's out to give you joy. He's out to give you security and confidence and boldness. God is out to bless you and fill you up and put you on a high rock. That's what God is out to do. Why be thankful? First, because God is good. 
Why be thankful? Second of all, because God is merciful, right? That's what he says. His mercy endures, and it's not, his mercy is everlasting. That's an awesome, it never runs out, it never quits. Now, the concept of God's mercy is a little bit hard for us to understand because in English, we don't really have a word to translate the meaning of the Hebrew word that was that it was so filled up and it was full of in that culture and what it meant to the Hebrews. And so I'm going to try to put it simply, but it really still doesn't even do justice to the concept. Mercy is undeserved kindness and honor given to someone unworthy. So if I can try to flesh this out a little bit more, it's voluntary kindness on a life-saving level by the only one who is able to give it. Okay, it has the idea of of voluntary kindness on a life-saving level by the only person who's able to give it. Mercy can only come from one person who must act in order to preserve another's life. It's a perfect description for what God does for us and what He's done for us. Isn't that fact, church? If God didn't act, we'd all die. And He's the only one whose action can save our lives. And unlike humans who might not cho- you know, who might choose to withhold that life-saving action from someone because they're angry or selfish or whatever or jealous or whatever the case. Unlike humans who might choose to withhold that action, God has already taken the action eternally in the sacrifice and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's already taken that eternal action of grace and mercy, Hebrew word hesed. That's what he's already done. And so God's mercy is everlasting. It's eternal because what Jesus did will never change. Aren't you thankful for God's mercy today? I am so thankful. Just think how merciful and patient and good he's been to you and to me in spite of all the dumb choices we've made. And the sins that we stubbornly cling to and the, and the weaknesses and the failures and how much we've messed it up in our life, God is still extending this mercy, this kind of kindness. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't treat you as you deserve to be treated? I'm so thankful He's not treating me the way I deserve to be treated. Why be thankful third of all? Because God is faithful. The psalmist says that His faithfulness endures to all generations. Some Bibles say they translate the word truth. His truth endures to all generations. But again, when you look at the Hebrew, it has the idea of firmness there. It has the idea of security. And so really, probably a better translation is actually the word faithfulness. It's telling us that God is steadfast and trustworthy. He's immovable. In other words, you can depend on Him. You can lean on Him. He will never let you down. He will never show up too late. You might think it's getting late. I've often felt that way. 
But I found out that God has a different time than Byron does, and God's time is always better than Byron's time. You can, he's never going to leave you hanging out to dry. You can rely on him. He'll always be there for you. He's the rock, and he's solid, and he's firm, and he's immovable. He's your strong tower. He's your mighty deliverer. He's the king who's coming back to get you one day soon. Aren't you thankful that you have a faithful God today? Hallelujah. Say it. Hallelujah. Bless his name. Amen. Amen. I mean, God is faithful. And, and I got to tell you a quick story. There's, there's an old guy that every morning somewhere in Florida on the Gulf Coast gets up early in the morning and takes a bucket full of shrimp, walks out on a pier, and he feeds the seagulls every day. Why is he doing that? Well, this, this man was a crew on a flying fortress in World War II. His name is Eddie Rickenbacker. And he and four other guys were flying this airplane, and they had an urgent message for General MacArthur. And they were flying over the Pacific Ocean, and all their navigation and communications instruments went down, and they, lo and they got lost. Thousands of miles from land... And they didn't know where they were, and they kept flying, and then their fuel was about to run out, and so the only choice they had was to ditch the plane somewhere in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And then began an ordeal that lasted almost a month. When, the plane went, when they ditched the plane, they, they were able to get out with the life rafts, you know, rubber rafts that blow up with air, nine feet long, these rubber rafts. And they're floating around in rafts, and survival... I mean, it was hard. They had, to, they had to make it through the wind and the storms and the rain and the scorching sun, sunburn, skin. But the hardest thing they had to deal with was food, the food supply. And, well, there were sharks too. I don't imagine it was very comforting when, you know, sharks are swimming around your raft and, and they're bumping and butting the raft and trying to flip it over, and the shark is 10 feet long, and your raft is 9 feet long. And it's rubber, and they have teeth, and what, you know, anyway. So there they are, and they're, they're, they're a couple weeks into this, and they're starting to starve because they don't have any food left. And one of Eddie's friends that was on the raft, they, they had a worship and they sang a hymn and they prayed. And then they were kind of dozing away. And, and they're dozing away. And Eddie feels, all of a sudden, feels something land on his head. And it's on top of his hat, because it's shaded from the sun. And he doesn't move. And he opens his eyes. And he can see his friends. And he's looking at their eyes. And by the look on their faces, he knew that whatever it was that landed on his head was food. Now, if he could only catch it. And you know, obviously, how the story worked. He did catch it. And it was a seagull. And here's the amazing thing about this. This seagull, seagulls stay within 100 miles or so of land. They're, they're, they're never that far away from land. They're out in the middle of the ocean, thousands of miles away from the closest land. And there's this one lone seagull that comes and lands on it. And so they caught it and they ate it and they saved its intestines 
to use, and they had some string and were able to make some hooks, and they saved its intestines to use for bait, which with they caught fish, and then as they caught fish, they were able to keep, you know, recycling the guts of the fish as more bait, and because of that one seagull, those four men had food to eat until they were rescued nearly a month later. And so every day, is God faithful? Absolutely. And that's why every day Eddie Rickenbacker takes a bucket of shrimp down the pier and feeds it to the seagulls. God is faithful. And, and, and I just, thanksgiving and praise are based once again on who God is, not on anything else. They're not based on our good circumstances or our feelings, good feelings. They're not based on success or achievement or advancement or wealth or, or fame. They're not based on the people around us or what they think of us or what they say of us or what they do for us. They are simply based on who God is. His three attributes, His goodness, His mercy, and His faithfulness. And since that's true, even when your circumstances change, you can still be thankful because God remains the same. He never changes. His goodness and His mercy and His faithfulness endures to all generations. So even though the world around us is going crazy, and it's going to get crazier, and even though there are difficulties and perplexities and heartaches all around us, God is still God. And we are still His creation. God is still good. And He's still merciful. And He's still faithful. That's why we can be thankful and happy. Because He's the source of our joy. And He never changes. The source never changes. And when you have God and, the, and His infinite abundance as your source, you have artesian joy. There's so much of it down inside, it just has to gush forth in expression. Let's not, and here's what I want to encourage you with, let's not allow the darkness around us to capture us and fill our minds with fear and, and, and become our focus of all this dark and negative and all that stuff. But let's allow our minds to focus on our great God and who He is and what He has done. So I want to invite you today to join me in choosing this. To remember that even when my circumstances change, God does not so I can be happy and thankful even during difficult times. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you were blessed by this sermon and we hope that you can bless others as well. So next week, bring a friend, listen, have a conversation, and remember, you're always in our prayers.